Welcome to the Daily Bible Podcast, a show intended to help you get more out of your everyday time in the Word. This is a ministry of Compass Bible Church in North Texas, and if you'd like to join along with our daily Bible reading program, you can do so by going to compassntx.org and clicking on the Daily Bible Reading tab. Thanks for joining in for today's episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Hey, and welcome back to another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. It's that time again. It is uh, the 5th of July. So maybe some of you are a little tired this morning, a little groggy. You were out late watching fireworks last night. PR, what's your what's your thoughts on fireworks? You like fireworks? You know, I, I appreciate them for a little bit, but I find that my enjoyment of them is exhausted usually by July 4th. Usually, So by July 4th, you're <laughs> like, I don't want any more fireworks. Well, you know where I come from, though? People send out fireworks all the time. So you, you hear the pops in the middle of the night. And to tell you what, man, Th- I I think love... those were gunshots, man. I'm, I okay, don't know what your true. mom and dad told you, but that's I think true. those were gunshots. I, you know what? You're right. I take it all back. <laughs> Maybe I've been hearing gunshots my whole life. I love I love fireworks. Though. I went to a show uh, recently that I really enjoyed. In fact, the one that we went to in Prosper, man, their, their finale was probably the best one I've seen. I would agree. I would agree. I'm not a big fireworks guy. It just has never really moved me all that much. I'm not surprised. And yet, I enjoyed that show. Wow. I, it was good. It even was good. you liked it. I even liked it. Wow. So, uh, but yeah, so maybe you're a little groggy because uh, you were there last night for the 4th of July and, and now you're here this morning and you're tuning in with us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast, which is good and we commend you for doing that. Hey, way to be disciplined. Yes. That's absolutely. right. Absolutely. Do it tired. Well, we're picking up in Job chapter 31 and chapter 32, and then uh, Acts chapter this. 13, part of it. Um, 13, 1 through 23. Yeah. The the headline in uh, in the ESV text there in Job, you'll notice, is this is Job's final appeal. And that's significant for us to take note of and, and to uh, to consider. This is kind of marking the end of, of this third cycle from Job's perspective, at least, of interaction between him and his, his three friends. Uh, we're going to also hear in chapter 32 from Elihu. But in, in chapter 31, uh, Job really does kind of lay his case out one more time, uh, still searching for a response from God here. And in chapter 31, he kind of goes through the various spheres of his life, appealing to his godliness in these various areas. And uh, and then ends by saying, okay, I, I still, God, where are you? I, I wish that you were here to hear my case. And uh, it, it opens with an appeal to his purity. Uh, we get, uh, if you're familiar with the, the app some people use called Covenant Eyes, which is a purity app for our devices, computers, things like that. It comes from Job 31.1. I have made a covenant with my eyes. How can I gaze lustfully at a, a virgin? Or how could I gaze at a virgin? And, and this is talking about his purity before God there. He, he talks about God's omniscience here in verse 4. He says, does, not, does God not see all my ways and number all my steps. In other words, Job's saying, I'm not trying to hide anything. I, I understand that my, I live my life quorum Deo before the face of God, that he sees everything about my life, which is an interesting statement considering that he feels like he can't find God right now. Well, I think he's inviting God's scrutiny, which is kind of a scary thought, man. I, this whole chapter, he's, he employs the use of ifs and thens. Sounds like he's calling curses upon himself. If I am guilty of this, 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 or this, then may it be that these bad things happen to me. It's, it's like he's saying, look, examine my life, see if there's any wicked way in me. And I expect at the very end of it to come out as gold, as he said in the prior chapter. Yeah. It, it, without going into the graphic detail, verses 9 and 10, but, but look at his response to this notion of being impure in verses 11 and 12. And I just found myself thinking, man, how far our culture has drifted here. He says in verse 11, if he had been unfaithful to his wife or impure, he said that would be a heinous crime. It would be iniquity be, to be punished by the judges, for that would be a fire that consumes as far 
far as Abaddon, it would burn to the, the root of all my increase. He's sensitive to ungodliness. He's sensitive to sin and feels the weight of it and the danger of it. Um, verses 24, he's talking about idolatry and materialism here. He says, look, if, if, if my heart has gone after gold, he talked about if my heart has gone after women, then I, I get it, but it hasn't. Verses 24, if my heart has gone after materialism, wealth, right, possessions, right. idolatry, then I get it. But again, it, it hasn't. Verses 29 and following, if I've rejoiced at the downfall of others, if I've become haughty and prideful, then again, I get it. But again, I have not had that be the case. Um, and then he says in verse 35, oh, that I had one to hear me. And then this line, here is my signature, which is that's an interesting statement. What, is, what does he mean by that? Basically, what Job is saying here, another way to, to think about this is Job is saying, I'm willing to sign my defense. I will put my name to everything that I've said mm. and submit it and stand by it. Yikes. This dude has got some boldness here. I really, <laughs> I, I commend him for that. And, I, and I, I hope that for those of us who are listening, we'd be able to have half of that confidence. In fact, one thing I, I noticed when you were talking about it, Pastor PJ, in verse nine, the first half of that, that parallel is if my heart has been enticed toward a woman. Like he's saying, even in the, my thoughts, as mm. the top of verse 31 says, or chapter 31 says, he's like, I haven't even allowed my thoughts to entertain the idea of being attracted to and um, commiserating with, or not commiserating, uh, connecting with a, a woman besides my wife. Right. That's huge. I've never opened a webpage, he might say today. I've never opened a webpage and lingered on a woman because of what she looked like. I, I right. kept my eyes fa- faithfully fixed on my bride. Would that we all had that kind of integrity. Yeah. And, and also let's bear in mind here that Joe was a, a real individual, right? And so as we're reading through this in, in especially men, you know, his integrity, his purity, his godliness here, this is not out of reach, right? This is not something that is, is he's some figment of our imagination or superhero or storybook character. Job was a real life individual and, uh, and he was holding fast to his integrity and committed to his wife, even his wife who was saying, Hey, curse God and die. Right. <laughs> and, and yet he was demonstrating this example that I think is, is good for us to try to strive to say, we want to live that kind of integrity. All right, Pastor PJ. So you brought it up. I'm going to, I'm going to explore the, 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 this a little bit with you because okay. I think this would be helpful. Yeah. So you said this kind of life is not beyond reach to have the kind of integrity that says, Hey, look at my life, check this out. And you're going to find that I come out spotless. So how can a man who struggles with, you know, to being, to being enticed by a woman, whether she's on the media an Instagram app or Facebook, or even just on the billboards, wherever they might be, how can a man grow his heart such that, that it becomes distasteful? He doesn't even want it. Right. I, I think the first thing is, is 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 cutting off the hand right and and that's where jesus goes in the cutting off the, the hand right or the right hand <laughs> the hand the hand correct <laughs> jiving with me following tracking no it's it's when jesus in the sermon on the mount is saying hey look we need to take a radical approach to our sinfulness and i think sometimes we say i desire freedom from this sin when really we don't really desire freedom from the sin because mm. there are steps that we could take to really make sure that we are cutting off the hand and throwing it from us so that we aren't going to continue to, to go down that path. And, and so whether that's, you know, removing devices or getting accountability software, like we mentioned, covenant eyes or accountable to you is another one out that's out there. Or some things just to put these, these stop gaps in place to, to put an end to the behavior, at least initially here, but then we got to go after the heart too. Right. Right. Because it's not just about, Hey, stop the behavior. It's about, Hey, what's, what's the, uh, the heart issue that's going on here. And so 
part of that may be involved. It may involve coming in and, and meeting with one of our pastors, meeting with you, meeting with me, and, and mm-hmm. getting biblical counseling on what's really going on with the, the heart of the issue here. Um, we've got some other guys in the church here at, at Compass North Texas that are qualified and equipped to do biblical counseling as well. And we've right. got ladies that can do this as well. So there are resources to avail yourself of in the church. I think that the most dangerous thing is to try to, to do it on your own in the, the secret of, of your own heart and think, I don't need... I don't need to bring this to light. I don't need anyone else to know about my struggle. I can just do this on my own and I'll kind of pull myself up by my bootstraps and white knuckle it through until this is no longer a problem. I think that's that's Satan's playground at that point. Would your advice or counsel change or be modified in any way if you were talking to a woman? We know that the statistics show that for even young ladies and women right now, the, the porn usage is, I mean, they're, they're, they're catching up. They're right. nowhere near the guys, but right. they're still part of the game here. So what would you say to them? Right. I, I, I think the only way it would change is to say I would seek out a, a female in your church for that initial phase of, of counseling there. I wouldn't go in and sit down one-on-one with your pastor and, and open up about those things right off the bat there. Sounds like a good plan. Yeah. Yeah. But it is all that to say it is attainable and there is hope there. And there are, you know, and, and part of it too, the other thing that might be out there, PR, as I'm thinking about this, Pastor Rod, is, is just this idea of like, okay, I get that that's attainable, but I've fallen short of this already. And so is there any hope left for me? And the answer is yes, right? That's we, right. The, the, the answer is absolutely 100%. Always. Yes, there's there's hope and sanctification and Christ-likeness and growth. And I mean, there are some people that start out, and maybe your growth as a Christian has been slow and incremental to this point, but God may bring you into a season where you're just taken off in Christ-likeness if you'll lean into the resources that are here for you. Right. And that's some of what we were just talking about. The there. means of grace. Right, the means of grace. Absolutely. So don't fight alone would be the message there. And, and let's go after this, not just with the behavior side, but also the, the heart issue side. Great. That's chapter 31. And it says there at the bottom, the words of Job are ended, at least in the dialogue with his friends here. Uh, chapter 32, we get a new voice, a new, uh, a new commentator, a new Johnny come lately out of nowhere. Yeah. This guy was just lurking in the bushes, just listening to these guys <laughs> and he just pops out. out. All right. No more of this. Boo. <laughs> Elihu, um, or Elihu, depending on... Elihu. Elihu. That's how I say it anyway. Uh, Elihu? You got the accent. Elihu? You got the Texas accent. Elihu. Texas. Yeah. Anyways, <laughs> I won't even try to pr- pronounce... Barakel, Barachel, the Boozite. He's a Boozite. I don't know if I want to take advice from a Boozite, man. Boozite. That does not sound like a good connotation. Right. Well, Elihu comes on the scene and... Or Elihu. And he goes after everybody just shooting at everybody right he comes after job uh for what he perceives to be some arrogance from job and then he goes after the three friends for what he i think rightly identifies as just a failure to advise job wisely and counsel job a failure to do everything right literally everything <laughs> you guys. guys should just stop he's mad that's what he says in these first several verses like, burned with anger burned with anger several times over the author tells us right burned with anger this guy's not happy at job because he justified himself rather than God, right? Okay, so, that's fair. Yeah. It's coming out swinging with the right thing. Yeah, and he's not saying, Job, you're wrong or you're lying. He's just saying your focus is wrong. Yep. And then with the friends, he said, uh, there was none among you, verse 12, who could refute Job or could who, who could answer his words. So tomorrow we're going to get more into to Elihu's response and his, his wisdom and what he brings to the table. But Elihu's here and he's, that's the point of chapter 32. He's now on the scene and he's got the floor. And he's here for several chapters. Okay, so here's, I think, something that's going to influence how we interpret his words. So you're going to have to help us, Pastor PJ. He has this entire section in the book of Job, and then God says nothing about him. 
for positive or negative. There's nothing about this guy. So what do you do with it interpretively? Do we, how do we understand Elihu's, Elihu's, Elihu's words? <laughs> and that what you said? Popo <laughs> Jijo. Um, dude, I'm, I miss Christmas. I'm ready for it. Speaking of Tim Allen and, and oh, Santa Claus. Yes. Anyways, uh, yeah, I, I he God is really there to to do what Elihu talks about with Job at the very beginning of this, which is to say, hey, Job, this is not about your innocence. It's about my character and who I am and my power, right? Mm. So I, I, I don't think God's there to commend or to extol, you know, the wisdom of these other men that are there on the scene. I think he's really there to do business with Job. And he's really there to, to help Job come to grips with and understand why he's gone through all of these things. So I don't think we take God's silence as either condemnation or or a strong commendation of Elihu, though I think Elihu is the, the strongest of all that have spoken to this point. I think that's, I agree with you in that. I, I think that's how we have to approach Elihu's speech, his, his long-winded articulation of his defense. We have to be careful with how we interpret all of all of these guys' words, but in particular Elihu, because God doesn't commend him nor reject him. So we're kind of left saying, okay, what do you, what do we do with him then? Ultimately, we compare scripture with scripture, and we're going to see how Elihu responds to Job and how it actually is different than what his friends said. There are some similarities, but ultimately, we're going to let the word of God that we know to be true deal with what Elihu says in these next few chapters. Amen. We'll flip over to to the book of Acts with us, Acts chapter 13, and we are covering verses 1 through 23 today, and then uh, the rest of it all tomorrow. Which is kind of another one of those like, wow. Head scratchers. Who, who put this plan together? Yeah. Was this your plan, Pastor PJ? It, it was not. It was not. I'm sure. And it's okay. It's just minor. It's only like Paul's major sermon that he's giving here and all kinds of Old Testament quotations. Anyways, that's tomorrow's problem. Today, <laughs> we're looking at what marks uh, a significant shift in the book of Acts in general as the, the focus moves from Peter, who's kind of been the main character to this point, the main spokesman, now over to Paul. Um, Saul a.k.a. Paul, um, and, uh, and and what opens is the launch of the first missionary journey. And so they're, they're there, they're gathered there, remember, at Antioch, as we just left off with yesterday, and the church is worshiping the Lord, and, and they're fasting and praying. And I was thinking about this and reading this. It seems like the church is kind of wondering, okay, Lord, what's the next step? Yeah, where do we go? They're seeking his will. And so often as, as Christians, that's where fasting and praying is is most often associated with what we do. It's, it's we're devoting ourselves to intentionally finding God. What do you want us to do with the next steps for our lives and what you want us to do, where you want us to go, things like that. It seems like that's what the church is doing here. So I know I've been asking a thousand questions already. I'm going to, I'm going (laughs) to allow myself another. All right. Fasting. Talk to our church about fasting. What role does fasting play? When do you put it to use? When is it something that you don't need to do? Uh, I see the church doing it here and you kind of intimated already that part of it is discerning God's Mm -hmm. will. Are there any other uses for fasting? Sure there are. I, I mean, here's where we, what we want to avoid with fasting is making it just strictly a liturgical practice. That's something that we do because we're, it's, it's some churches do it during a season. And so because they're doing it during a season, we're going to jump on and just do it during a season just to check a box on a church calendar. It's, it's done with a purpose and a reason. And one of the reasons why we do it, whether you're fasting from a food or a beverage or an activity is that every time that you would be prone to eat that food or drink that drink or do that activity, instead you're going to go to the Lord in prayer. You're going to use those hunger pains or those desires to remind you that there's something that you want to be seeking God's guidance and counsel on or just praying for. Maybe you've got a loved one who's got a a prognosis, a, a cancer 
uh, diagnosis and you're praying for the upcoming PET scans because you want God to, to, to heal them and, and to restore their health. And so you're not praying for direction necessarily from God, but you're imploring God to act on behalf of this person. So you're going to fast for, with that intentionality and that purpose there. So I think in that sense, it, it's not bound to a calendar. It's not bound to a particular season. It's, it's freedom in the believer's life to practice this spiritual discipline in, in order to beseech God more regularly than we would if, if otherwise, because we're, yeah, we're going to get hungry during the day because that's what our bodies do. But every time we're hungry, we're going to go, oh yeah, I need to go to the Lord again and pray for this or ask for this or seek this. So it's a, it's kind of a bodily thing that reminds us to pray regularly and to let those physical needs prompt us to recognize and remember our spiritual needs. Is there anything more or less spiritual about not doing food? You've kind of already alluded to this, but scripture only talks about fasting from food. Is there anything wrong with fasting from Instagram or the DBR podcast? Maybe don't fast from the DBR podcast, but um, <laughs> no, I, I, because I think again, the purpose is, Hey, we is something that I do regularly that if I cut that out of my life, it's going to replace that with more consistent prompts to pray. And there is a self-discipline element of this too, where it's like, okay, I'm giving up something. I'm not going to fast from something that's not hard for me to fast from, right? Okay. okay. Like I'm not going to fast from bench pressing because <laughs> I, uh, I already do that really well. Um, <laughs> Walking in victory, bro. I could tell. There we go. Ooh. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I also don't often think about bench pressing, so that's not going to help me here. So we're, we're wanting to fast from something and exercise that discipline and self-control from something that is a regular part of our life. Um, that's not sinful, right? We're not going to fast from something either that God already tells us you shouldn't be doing this to begin with. Mm. So it's not like, well, I'm going to fast from getting drunk. It's like, okay, let's make that a permanent fast, right? (laughs) Um, But if it's something within the bounds of your Christian liberty that you're able to give up that's going to prompt you to pray, I I think that's where I see the freedom of it. Super helpful. Thanks for weighing in on that. But that's what the church is doing, right? Here in Acts chapter 13. And they're seeking God's guidance and their counsel and their will. And then the Lord responds and the Holy Spirit says, again, remember just the unique time, the unique dispensation in the church right now where uh, things are happening, where the Holy Spirit is audibly leading and guiding and speaking uh, through prophets and through other other means here. But the, the Spirit says to the church here, set apart Barnabas and Saul for the work to which I have called them. Uh, again, we see the deity of the Spirit here, right? That the Spirit is calling and setting apart Barnabas and Saul here for this missionary activity. It's a, 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 an authority that is God's and the spirit is, is holding fast to that or claiming that. Verse three, they, can, they keep fasting and praying. Now they're fasting and praying with a different means here, probably with the intentionality of saying, we want this to be a successful missionary journey. So mm-hmm. now their, sh- their, their mindset has focused. It's shifted away from saying, hey, God, guide us. But now, God, we're going to pray that this is a successful endeavor as we lay hands on them and send them out here. Right. And the only thing I'd want to bring to your attention as we continue through chapter 13 is to remember what the structure of the book of Acts is. We're taking the gospel from Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and now the ends of the earth. And that's where Paul the apostle comes in as the apostle to the Gentiles. So structurally in your mind, think, okay, I see the gospel radiating uh, out further and further. As chapter 13 continues here, uh, Paul and Barnabas are sent, or Saul and Barnabas are sent, uh, and it says, so being sent out by the Holy Spirit, they went down to, and there's a lot of different areas that they they list here, and you can pull out the atlas in the back of your Bible, or if you've got Bible software, you can look up those areas uh, on there, and I would encourage you, you to should. do that. Yeah, totally sure. Um, That's helpful. Yeah, helpful to, to get the, the context there, but they come to one area uh, in, in, in Paphos there, and... Um, 
they come upon the, this man who's a proconsul, Sergius Paulus, a man of intelligence is what it says there. Interesting that, that Luke recording this commends this man's intelligence. Remember, Luke was a physician. And so this was a, a man who clearly could hold his own, even with the, the likes of someone like Luke, as it was reported at least to him. Mm-hmm. But there's this other guy there, Bar-Jesus, or as he's often, or as he's called later, and I think it is the same person here, Elimas, or, or Elim, Elimas. Elihu. Eli, Eli, Eliamus. <laughs> what does bar um, Jesus mean, by the way? Just quickly. Son of, son of Jesus. Son of Jesus. Yep. Okay, so nothing and, special. And Jesus was a common name at this time, so don't be like, wait. Not oh, Jesus man. the Christ. Oh, the, Another the Jesus. Joshua. Books. Dan Brown was right. Um, he wasn't. He was wrong. <laughs> totally. Anyways. Uh, and he's trying to oppose Paul. Paul stands up and filled with the Holy Spirit, confronts him. He calls him a, a, a son of the devil. So here he is, son of Jesus, but no, you son of the devil, enemy of all righteousness, full of all deceit and villainy. Stop making crooked the, the, the straight paths of life. And then Saul strikes him with blindness by God's power. Another, again, the miracle validating the message and this proconsul is saved as a result of it. It says he believed when he saw what had occurred for he was astonished. And here's the, con- the, the key part here at the teaching of the Lord. Wow. Not, not, not the, uh, not the miracle, right. the teaching. Right. Crazy. Right. The message there is what saves him. And that's why I think we say, yeah, this guy, this is, is legitimate here. And then in the, the remaining part of this section for our time this morning, uh, Paul and, and his companions, they leave and they go to Perga in Pamphylia, another region there. Again, you can look it up there. And this little phrase here is important. John left and returned to Jerusalem. Mm, John, what are you up to, man? It, what happened? Yeah. What we do know is that this didn't sit well with, with Saul, aka Paul, because later on in Acts chapter 15, he's going to divide with Barnabas over whether or not they should take John Mark on their next missionary journey together. Mm. And so this was significant here and it's worth kind of putting that uh, mental pin in that. But then uh, the apostle Paul stands up and he begins this just masterful presentation of the gospel in the midst of a, of a a context of a Jewish synagogue there where they were asked to speak to this group of Jews. And Paul gets up and he begins to reason. And I, I just was astonished at, at the depth of Paul's knowledge of the Old Testament here. He's dealing with the Torah. He's dealing with First and Second Samuel. He's dealing with First and Second Kings. And it was cool, too, to hear him do that or to read him do that and to, yeah. then to think about, man, we've got all this same stuff. And we read these same things that he's now preaching on right. in this sermon, which shows us that he was familiar in reading those same things. But his conclusion, at least in this first half of what we're looking at today, is this. Of this man's offspring, a.k.a. David, God has brought to Israel a Savior, Jesus, as he promised. So Paul's Paul's punchy, and he's going straight after him, and he's going after this context with the Jewish people, and he's preaching the gospel to him here. Yeah, one quick note. I, I, I really appreciate in verse 22, David, the son of Jesse, a man after my heart, he will do all my will. I know, man, D- David is a colorful figure in the Old Testament, but look at what he's known for, at least at this juncture in human history. He didn't bring up the, the Bathsheba incident. He didn't bring up the, the kingdom and the temple. He brought up the fact that David had a heart for the Lord. And ultimately, that's important because of who it pointed to. David was the was the greatest king to date, but he was the king who was still deeply flawed, who would ultimately point to the ultimate greatest king, Jesus the Christ. And he's an actual offspring of David. Remember, when we read through the book of... Uh, what was it? Second Chronicles. I guess that was the one we worked through together. The the kingdom or the the line of David came down to a single thread, yep. one single heir, and God preserved him to bring us to this very moment in human history. Amazing. Yep. yep. So cool. So cool. Well, hey, thanks for tracking with us in this episode, and we look forward to joining you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. See y'all. 
Hey, thanks for joining us for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. We hope and pray this has been a blessing to you and your time in the Word. If it has, if you would subscribe to this podcast, leave a like, leave a comment, and share it with some friends and family, that would be awesome. If you need more information about Compass Bible Church here in North Texas, you can go to compassntx.org. Again, that's compassntx.org. And we'll be back with you tomorrow for another episode of the Daily Bible Podcast. Thank you.